Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Hawks Insiders, your Tuesday night safe space as we look back at a nice start to the season for the Hawks with their win over North Melbourne by 20 points at the MCG on Sunday, 11-12-78 to 8-10-58. My name's Ashley Brown. Good to be with you once again after I couldn't make it last week, but uh, really good to be here and uh, let me say good evening firstly to my to the team, all pretty chipping up about the WhatsApp. I don't know how we don't do any work today because we've been WhatsApping like mad all day. Uh, hello first, Andrew Weiss. G'day Ash, hello everyone. Very chipper, very up and about. It's just nice, especially round one. It's always nice thinking about everything you're going to be doing through the week ahead after a win. So... Very happy uh, favourite line in the post-game review article uh, that we are right amongst it, fighting with a, a few other teams. It's very tight in the uh, in the stakes, looking at uh, securing that first week home final, uh, sitting nicely third on the ladder. But no, really wonderful weekend and a great way to start the season. Uh Darren Levine, the only one of us who was at the game on Sunday. How are you? I'm good, yeah. Good to be in the top four, for sure. And um, the, it was just a great atmosphere at the ground. Just had such an awesome day. Forgot what that feeling was like, singing the song at the end of the game. Um, just kind of got the game played out how I hoped it, it would. I knew it would be a bit scrappy, but just so great to see this, this kind of new game style um, working so early. Brad Klebanski. Hello, Brad. Good evening, all. Pleasure to be here. Good to get uh, the win. I was at a wedding on Sunday, had KO Sports going on under the table, and uh, the wife caught me a few times, and it's fair to say she wasn't happy. So I've managed to watch the game back uh, this evening. Wasn't a great spectacle, but as I said in my side selection dissection, we just had to get uh, the win, and uh, we did, and that is the most important so we start the season one and oh. Was it your side of the family or was it one of your friends or her friends? The one of my in? one of my very good friends. So <laughs> yes. Um I was sort of positioned myself at the back of the room, but I was still caught a few times, but I had to have it on just as you know, check scores every now and then, managed to catch a few of the highlights. I know there probably weren't too many, but I was lucky enough to catch a couple of the goals, Finn's goal at the end, which was great. Uh, Gunners, uh, Sealer as well at the end. So I saw a few of the second half calls, which was good. Simon Morowitz, no futsal tonight. Good evening. Simon? Hello, Simon. Not there. Just said. Danny, hello, Danny. Evening, Ash. Evening, everyone. And uh, my apologies for the constant bombardment today in the WhatsApp group. Yes, well, I'm not sure how anyone did any work, but uh, we're all up and about. So, um, just a, bit, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, if you have to get away, we're going to do this for about an hour. If you have to get away, this is now a podcast. You'll be able to get this tomorrow morning by visiting Hawks Insiders and being able to download it and listen to it on your favourite podcast provider, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and others. And we're already doing really good numbers. And Andrew uh, says we, we, we're doing all right. The podcast rankings even without not a whole lot of effort. So, uh 
Thank you, everyone, for your support. If you haven't listened to it live, as I said, for listening to us uh, at a time that is more convenient, which I understand for many people at these evening ones aren't always, so listen to it on the train or at work or whatever. So we thanks to everybody who is taking part. But, of course, um, those of you who are, who are listening live, you can partake in the conversation. We want to hear from you. Just uh, make a request to speak. We'll get on to you. We've got a couple of questions we'll get to on that came to us via Twitter. Um, but please uh, put your hand up uh, to, to speak. We'd be very keen to hear from you. As I said, the Hawks won by 20 points. Sam Mitchell was the first Hawthorne coach since Ken Judge in 1996 to win his first game. To start the season 1-0, uh, Shrobby couldn't do it and Clarko couldn't do it. Um, and uh, Ken Judge, I think they lost the next two and then drew the fourth game. So let's hope that uh, Sam has a bit more success over the next few weeks than, Ken, than the late Ken Judge did. Um, first item on the agenda as we go through the game, uh, we did a, uh, if you haven't caught up with it, we did our player rankings this, and our being done as a podcast. We did that Sunday night. So we're not going to exhaustively go through every player. Uh, we want to go with a few other bits and pieces. But I want to put the first thing to you, um, um, Daz, you were there. So tell us, what was the good about the Sunday? What, what did you like about the game itself from the Hawks on Sunday? I think um, the sort of direct approach and the willingness to to kind of just make instinctive decisions and creative decisions. And I, I there were there were a few times where they they maybe could have taken a bit more time with the ball or had another look around. Where they just they there just seemed to be a, a willingness to to really kind of move the ball on and I think we you know we spoke about that all pre-season as a trademark of Sammy's coaching style but to see it up close I think that was really exciting for me and it it didn't always work but I just wanted to see something fresh and I definitely felt like we like we we did that. Um, What did you think watching it daddy? Yeah it it just had a I don't know. It had a bit of a vibe of you know, changing the guard, and I guess that's probably a pretty um, in, your, in your face sort of straightforward statement to make first up. But it just felt a bit different to me. I think just from the start, with a few things we might touch on later down the line, that it was very much the forming of a new team, and I think that in and of itself, regardless of the result, is exciting. Um, and I think you know there was a few a few bits and pieces. Um, after half time, Mitchell starting with the young young boys in the middle, and then really sort of changing the 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 way that we were um, sort of competing in the middle of the park. I think that was really exciting for the future. And there was just bits and pieces of that sort of thing throughout the day as a whole. From watching it, you know, at home <laughs> on my couch, um, that I was just excited about for not so much right now or the next four weeks, but um, you know, uh, into next year. Uh, Brad, this is your wheelhouse. Your account is the bad. What? What? Uh, you said it wasn't the greatest game. You're right. I mean, aesthetically, it was a bit of a struggle. Uh, what did you like about the game? Uh, what didn't I? What? What did I like? What you did not like? Uh, the midfield again was poor. We lost clearances. I thought Tom Mitchell, O'Meara in the first half, terrible. Warple, terrible. He'd be very nervous. Warple because he's a very good chance to lose his spot in the next couple of weeks when we start to get our best players back. Uh, as Danny said, the second half, we changed things up. I thought Jai R. Newcomb was brilliant in the third quarter. Uh, it was great to see McDonald and Ward come in. But again, the midfield mix, North Melbourne's midfield, they've got 
good young players, but they're a weak uh, midfield. They're a bottom four uh, midfield, and their midfield beat us on the weekend. So to me, the senior midfielders, O'Meara was the captain and certainly did not lead by example, especially in the first half. I thought the midfield was really poor, and that was one thing that we really have discussed recently. The last couple of years have been an issue. Um, I think the young guys played a lot better than the more senior and, and experienced guys. And again, I think it's a problem. Amir, I saw, spent a bit of time on the forward line. He isn't a forward. He doesn't kick goals and his disposal's not that good. Warple's exactly the same. Can't kick and doesn't kick goals. So if they're going to play those guys as a forward until we get our best players back, they shouldn't be picked in the team when we get our best players back. So that, to me, was very disappointing. Uh, Weezy, your, 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 what didn't you like about it? Um, oh, I have a, a slightly different take to the young freshness of the midfield, which I was excited about, but I agree with Brad around the more experienced mids. Uh, for me, I'll say Jack Gunston's kicking a goal. Um, I've got him in my votes, so I think he had a fantastic day. But off the back of some massive inaccuracy throughout the preseason in both matches where we had so many opportunities, and that's always the positive, that you're in positions to have opportunities. We got to quarter time. What did he miss his first three scoring shots? And they were set shots that Jack would normally kick. So... Um, uh, he obviously redeemed himself. It obviously didn't matter at the end, but I think as the season goes on, the games that we are, that we feel like we're in and want to be winning and wanting to be a, a chance to win, uh, our our forwards are going to need to be doing a better job than than I guess how we started on the weekend. Uh, Simon, we'll try you again. How's your speaker going this time? I think it's a bit better. You got me now. Yeah, got you now. So your quick takeaways, the good and the bad from watching the game? Um, it's, it, I found it very difficult because if we'd lost to North Melbourne, that would say a lot more than if we can beat North Melbourne. Because anyone can beat North Melbourne. It doesn't say anything about you. But if we'd lost to them, that would have been terrible. So um, at least we didn't have that. But we, we didn't, I don't think, I think it, it raised more questions than it answered, is what I'm trying to say there. Um, and by by way of negatives, not really. Um, we got we just got to take a win. Like there's no there's no point trying to dissect the bad stuff because there's going to be plenty of time for that for the rest of the season. Um, one of the I, I I sort of agree with Brad about Jager O'Meara, um, but the reason he was so bad was because he was stuck in the forward line, and that's not his fault. He's just playing where he's played, um, and it's no surprise that he was in the centre bounce for the first. You know, first centre bounce of the second half, he won the clearance, put us inside 50 within two seconds. It's not rocket science. You play midfielders in the midfield. And and so I think I, what, what I liked was that Sam clearly put um, Jager up forward for the first half, thought maybe get some younger players through the midfield, but it clearly didn't work. Um, and he wasn't too dogmatic about it. And he put him in the middle in the second, uh, in the third and fourth quarter, and, and he really played a lot better. So the ability to recognise when something you've done isn't working and change it um, is is huge, and we're fair play to Mitch for that. We've mentioned this before. I think that's going to be a strong suit of Sam Mitchell this year. The boxer watchers from last year certainly would point this out. 
on a regular basis that uh, Mitchell's ability to make in-game adjustments was terrific and did so again, worked out what was it, what was and wasn't working sort of midway through the second quarter uh, on Sunday, made a few tweaks and the Hawks really from sort of late in the second quarter really looked like the better team from half of the third quarter were uh, never really looked like they are going to lose the game. And Todd Goldstein gave a couple of scary moments when he took some marks. But if uh, you're relying on Todd Goldstein to beat you by taking a couple of marks up forward, then chances are you're in control of the game. So I think that was something that I found certainly most impressive uh, about the coach uh, on the weekend. We're going to talk about the coach. Uh, that's our main agenda item for tonight. It's a fair bit to get through a quite a long list of things that have changed. We're going to get to that very shortly. I ask you all, you, you have the one bit of homework was to give me a 3-2-1, so I'll go around the table, the, uh, the virtual table. Uh, starting with you, where's your 3-2-1? Uh, so I gave one vote to Jack Gunston. Uh, it's not hard to see just how important he is and how much we missed him last year, coming off the unbelievable year the year before. Two to CJ, I thought he was absolutely brilliant, and we talked about how as long as there was a hint of him coming into play, we needed that uh, flashy speed off the back line. And I actually gave three to Jai Newcomb. I thought he was an absolute breath of fresh air through the middle. Um, he was damaging with his touches. Uh, he missed that that shot at goal, but he, he obviously still kicked one. Um, I thought he was an absolute representation of what, the win was for the club and that was like the dawn of a new era. So uh, Newcomb, I thought, had the biggest impact on on the whole group uh, with some special mentions to Dylan Moore, James Sicily and Sam Frost. Uh, Des, 3 to one Yeah, I'm going to go with... Jack Gunston's pretty lucky to miss out, but I think it's... Um, he misses out because of his goal kicking in that first half. I think Newcomb... Um, gets a vote for me just for the same reasons that we see just mentioned, just loved his attack on the footy, but also the way he was delivering the ball into the forward 50 and the penetration he was getting on the kicks just made so many great decisions. Lewis was just an absolute monster up forward and really just just those two, Gunston and Lewis working in tandem, just actually looked like a functional forward line for the first time in a while. Um, and then CJ for me was the three votes because I just think he was the most influential player on the ground. And he, I think that mark that he took in the first quarter really just got the, the team up and about and got the crowd up and about as well. And he just had so many moments like that through all four quarters. So, yeah, that's 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 my 3-2-1. And you, Brad? Yeah, uh, a little different. I had um, the two defenders three, so I had Sis as the best on ground. Finished with 27 touches. Looked like he had an uh, Mr. Beat first game back uh, from an ACL. Just shows how important he is. Just an absolute star. CJ, as you guys said, I had him at uh, number two. The run and carry, which we lacked. Just oozes class. I think he's a smoky. I know we asked last week, are we going to have any All-Australians? Might have been another week before. I said no, but I think he is one who is a real chance to make it if he continues playing like he did last week. And I gave one uh, to Gunston. Just, you know, seven scoring shots his first game back. Could have easily had five goals. Um, unlucky was Mitch Lewis and Jai Newcomb. Great second half. Mara? Um, only players, I think, that have been mentioned so far, three, CJ, 
and two Gunston, but I gave one vote to Ned Reeves. Um, we went in with two Ruckman against three, and we obviously lost Lynch pretty um, pretty early. So for him to go one out against a triple-headed Ruck combination and, and at least hold his own, if not do a bit better than that, I thought was very impressive. What, what about you, Danny? Yeah, um, similar thing to everybody else. Um, I had one for James Sicily. Um, thought, yeah, he looked like he hadn't missed a beat. Other than a bit of, uh, with his kicking, wasn't as as good, but um, give him some time there. Uh, two to Gunston because I think um, he the second half he just um, changed the dynamic of the forward line and started kicking goals. And then CJ I thought was uh, clearly our best and most influential player uh, on the ground. And uh, yeah, probably the only player on the ground that was anywhere near as influential as him was probably Luke McDonald from the Roos. So those were the two best for me. Luke McDonald, son of former Hawthorne stand-in coach, Donald McDonald. Um, good call on Reeves, uh, Mara. I thought, uh, yeah, when Lynch went down, I thought, well, we've got a seven or eight game Ruckman, however many he's played on a hot day. He's got to carry the team on his shoulders for the rest of the afternoon. I thought he was pretty brave. I thought the um, playing uh, Connor Nash as a true follower in the old-fashioned way. I mentioned this on the podcast the other day, but, uh, you know, Ruck or Ruck Rover, um, just balking his sort of his, his strength through the midfield was really important. I thought he played an understated game. Um, but I uh, noticed in the coaches' awards that uh, Sicily and Jeff were the two the Hawthorne players who polled the most. Um, All-Australians, interesting, it tends to be a two-year cycle for the All-Australians. You tend to be a bit stiff the first year not to get in, and the second year you mightn't play as well, might not play as well but get in. It takes two years to uh, to go through that cycle. So CJ might be a good thing for this All Australian in twenty twenty three. But gee, he plays uh, he plays a lot of footy like he did uh, uh, a lot more footy like he did on uh, Sunday. People certainly take notice of him. He was uh, he was terrific. So that was the sort of our takeaway of the game. There you can read our sort of full review and my observations. I've got thirteen of them. Uh, on the Hawks and Siders on our review article, which went up, I think, uh, yesterday. Uh, that is there. Also, as I said, our player rankings are already available as a podcast as well. Uh, the three of us did a deep dive on Sunday night about the game. What I wanted to talk about is sort of the main thing we want to throw around. And, and as I said at the top of the uh, spaces, we really want to make this a wide-ranging conversation. So if we've missed things that we're going to talk about next, please jump on with a question. We want to uh, get you all involved in this, so don't be shy. And... Uh, I want to talk about the changes that are becoming apparent under Sam Mitchell, both on and off the field. And there's quite a list of what I've did a list of about six things I want to talk about in bits and pieces over the next little while. But uh, the new the new Hawthorne under Mitch. The first one, actually, I'm going to make it a seven actually because something that was passed around um, beforehand. So it's now seven items that we're going to go through that we've all got some views on. So the first one is game plan. Um, and, Prinzi, I'm going to give that to you. What do you think? We've had two pre-season games now and a home and away game to look at. What do you think, if you were asked to describe, what is different about the Hawthorne game plan this year? Um, I think it's still early doors. I think we'll see more when we have um, our better runners off half-back uh, in the team. And the guys, obviously, we're, we're referring. I'm referring to are Day, Impey and uh, Bramble because I think they're critical to the way Mitchell wants to play. Um, his his style at Box Hill last year, which I'm sure he'll transition in um, to the uh, to the Hawthorne setup, is is a run and gun style. It's it's move the ball quickly through the middle of the park, 
Uh, whereas Clarko is a bit more, was always very methodical. Um, I think we saw a little bit of that um, on on Sunday, but I don't think it was as uh, pronounced as maybe it will be once they are familiar with it. So I think it'll be I think it'll be moving um, moving the ball as quickly as they can. But uh, with that comes the I guess the um, concern or the the risk uh, of turnovers, and we were very good at uh, turning the ball over on Sunday with poor skills. So. Yeah, that's that's probably what it is. I think we just we probably haven't seen it to its full full extent just yet. Sorry, Brad, what are your views on the game plan? Sorry. No, I, I fully agree with Princey. I think we've got to give it a bit of time. What I really like what uh, Mitch has done and we've seen from round uh, one is he's backing uh, the youth. And that's obviously going to be part of uh, the game plan at Enthusiastic. I think one thing what Princey talked about was skills. I think the good thing about Mitchell is, and I think Daz has spoken about this, he's going to be willing to lose by more, but look forward to the future. You know, take the risks. Where Clarko sort of played to try and win, even when we, you know, knew we probably couldn't. I preferred this type of game plan. He went in this week with... McGuinness, McDonald, Ward, uh, DGB played in front of Hardigan, which was great. I know he barely touched the ball, but still was defensively really strong. I, I like the way he's going in with youth straight away. He's not waiting. He's not picking the names on paper. You know, Phillips was uh, the sub. Daniel Howell uh, was an emergency. Uh, I just think the playing of youth, he's willing to take at a risk. And I think it uh, that's important. These guys we've mentioned time and time again, they need to get 30 to 40, 50 games into them as a team as soon as possible. And that's when we'll start to reap uh, the rewards. So I think the game plan is going to be based on taking it on, moving it fast. We're going to see skill and errors. We're going to see our turnovers. But in the long run, I believe it'll pay our dividends. So Simon, you're our opposition analyst. But if you were self if you were scouting Hawthorne, what would you be writing? What would you be saying? You think is going to start emerges the weapons that Hawthorne have that other teams need to uh, to take into consideration? Yeah, well, the first thing that really stood out for me that's that's different about the way Hawthorne plays is the use of the overlap. Where um, under Clarko last year, it was a lot of all right, take the mark, you know, sort of leading up towards the fifty, and then turn around and, and work out what to do with it next. Whereas on Sunday, I thought. We had someone um, running past, receiving the handball, and therefore, first and foremost, coming with a bit more speed and energy, which is harder to stop, and it's it's good for the whole team. Um, but also, it just makes it a bit harder to defend because the ball's coming quicker, um, and that person can scan the field in advance. Um, so the one thing I would say to, you know, if any Port Adelaide scouts are listening here, um, is to try and be... Be really sharp on the player, particularly around Hawthorne's half-back, slash the back of the, the centre square. Be really, really close to the player that's running past um, the receiver, or the, the, ball, the, the ball carrier, rather, um, because that's something that we're going to use a lot this year, and it's something that I really wished we'd done more in the last couple of years, so I was very, really happy to see it on the weekend. Yeah, uh, just a quick one. I was going to say, it, I agree with Simon. I reckon what you'll see on Saturday night is Port will probably send... Uh, Willem drew uh, to Tommy Mitchell, but I think the most important player they need to stop would be our CJ. So I'd play defensive forward, 
you know, role on CJ. But being at home, you know, back in Adelaide, they're coming off a loss, got a lot of injuries. I reckon they'll try and stop uh, Tommy in the midfield. They've obviously got Wines and Boke, so they'll try to get an advantage there. But I'm sure we'll touch on it, Ash, uh, later with the injuries Port have with just a little sneaky chance. You've jumped the gun here, Bradley, just uh, back I'm in sorry. your box. That's uh, getting down, excited. It's down the agenda. It's, it's item number eight on the agenda. So uh, we'll go back to this. Now, Daz, this is your wheelhouse. I want to talk to you about – I'll merge these next two. One is um, Chad in the long sleeves and Sam's quite lengthy explanation, and I'm going to take some credit here because I sent Pete Ryan from the age a text message in the last quarter saying if the Hawks win – Asked Clark about the long, uh, asked Sam about the long sleeves, which he did, and that led to this sort of long-winded answer from Sam about self-expression. It's tied up with Chad wearing long sleeves and blonde hair and all the blonde t- tips and the whole thing. You're our marketing uh, expert. What do you, what, what, what are you thinking when you're hearing Sam talk like that and allowing the players to be a bit more expressive? I mean, I, I liked it. I thought it, I thought it was a really philosophical answer to a pretty you know, basic question, no offence, Ash, but I think, <laughs> I, I think it, it, you know, like it, it meant something. I think we hadn't seen a player walk out in long sleeves for 18 years. And Chad, look, I don't think he picked the right moment to wear a really thick long sleeve jumper. It was actually really hot on the day. And I, I just couldn't believe, I thought half time he would have definitely taken the, the long sleeves off, but maybe he was making a point as well. Didn't, really affects his performance positively. Um, he had a pretty scrappy game. But I think I think that willingness to to allow players to express themselves, you could really you could really see that that, that was having an impact on the group and the way the way they went about it. So I don't think Clark I would have had a problem with um, just quietly with Wingard's peroxide hair. I don't think that's ever been an issue at Hawthorne, but peroxide. I recall a lot of players, unfortunately, whipping out the peroxide bottle over the years. But um, definitely the long sleeves felt like a like a, a changing of the guard. Weesey, you're a traditionalist. How do you feel about the uh, no long sleeve policy being thrown out the window? No, I'm, I'm all for the changing of the policy. But the interesting thing for me is, though, uh, leading into Sam being a... Uh, full-time head coach, he's not the sort of guy that, like I would have thought, you know, he's pretty headstrong. He's always been headstrong. He's always had his ideas. He's always had his opinions um, to come straight in and be able to open the, you know, the floodgates on all of these things for players to be able to do what they want, expressing themselves in this way. is not something I would have picked for him. I think it's absolutely brilliant, you know. Think of all of us in the workplaces that we are in and the environments being set up to get the best out of us. You know, it's no different in such a high-pressure, high-intense environment as at a footy club. And if, in my opinion, if a player feels more comfortable doing something that is effectively harmless and that is going to make them want to you know be themselves a bit more well you know in terms of them being professional footballers and getting the most out of them I think it's absolutely fantastic 
Can I just say one more thing on that? I, I think Clint Proctor, the Box Hill coach, made a speech about embracing individuality as well. Um, maybe someone else heard it, but I, I definitely remember uh, a talk about that. And I think maybe it's maybe it's an ethos across across the club now that they're embracing. Every every club's got a sort of mantra that they take into the year. So I think I think it's I think it is I think it is across the club, and I think it's uh, a bit of a a bit of a statement that they'll take through the year. So the, uh, the vision post game was interesting. The um, all of club. Um, Thing of, of the of the club song, which is something that doesn't happen. It's usually saved for special wins, uh, often wins on the road when the whole travelling party gets called into the circle to sing the song. But I think uh, Mitch's explanation that uh, it had been a long couple of years for a lot of people at the footy club and hadn't, you know, a lot of those people would have, wouldn't have even been allowed in the rooms. Key Hawthorne people wouldn't have been allowed in the rooms for the last couple of years. So that was telling that everybody sort of joined in. The uh, joined in the circle and uh, the dowsing of the players with Gatorade is back. Clarko was very uh, big on only, and I think this was something that uh, the Hodge Lewis's roughheads were very uh, supportive of. That uh, uh, debutants after a win uh, were only dowsing water. Uh, Clarko didn't think the jumper should be sullied by by uh, caught by other colours, but uh, there they were all sorts of uh, Gatorade. Uh, the Gatorade shower was. Uh, was uh, a bit like Joseph and the, and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Ash, I reckon just one more thing on that. If you go back and you check out the vision, I'm sure that Sammy himself opens up the esky in front of him to go and grab a Gatorade and there aren't any in there. So he gets back into the circle. But yeah, that's another addition. I think as well, in all the player interviews... Um, whether they were asked or not, they talked about how good it was to have the fans back and be playing in front of the supporters. So I think there's this whole, uh, you know, togetherness about the club at the moment that is about embracing a journey towards, you know, the next few years and hopefully ultimate club success. We're halfway through the spaces, everyone. If you've got a question, uh, please uh, make a request to speak. We would love to. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Um, I want to. Uh, the next thing I've noticed is that um, he's, he's shaken up the training routine again. Sam Hawthorne was very big on. Well, Clarko was very big on Wednesdays. Was sacrosanct. It was a players' day off. It was a footy staff's day off. Um, and that was something he was very big on because he was very keen and allowed players to plan their lives away from footy. If they wanted to go to uni, they knew they had Wednesdays to do or if they wanted to work, um, you know, uh, or had business to attend to or family matters to attend to, it was always a Wednesday. Wednesday was the day. I know the footy staff, was the, the, the rest of the staff of the club enjoyed the Wednesday quiet day without the footballs around and the doof-doof in the gym all day. That's now been changed. Uh, again, a big ritual change is that they are doing um, Hawthorne now takes its day off two days before they play. So Hawthorne actually put the media advisory out today that uh, Sam Mitchell's media conference, which uh, will be tomorrow. So that we can now look forward to Wednesdays being the day when Sam will do his midweek uh, media conference instead of being sort of Friday, uh, the day before the game, which was the way Clarko did it for a very long time. So that's something that's... Uh, We'll see the effects of that. I don't really know what it means. I mean, it probably means more for the players. Whether they, I would imagine something that he discussed with the players. The leadership group would have had some input into that. Um, 
but that is one change I certainly noticed at Hawthorne this year and talking to the media people today as well. That's what they're going to do. But speaking of leadership group, have I missed – tell me, have I missed the announcement of the leadership group or they actually haven't announced anything other than the fact that, uh, well, um, Ben McAvoy is the captain and you would imagine that Jago Mira being the standing captain last Saturday was the uh, was part of that leadership group. Have I missed a formal announcement? Certainly not that I'm aware of. I can't recall having seen any formality around it. And it's been interesting. A whole host of other clubs literally in the week leading up to round one made announcements, which is so late in the piece. But, uh, yeah, unless anyone else has seen something, I haven't seen it either, Ash. Yeah, it's unusual. I mean, he's talked about leadership again. He's done a lot of media in the last couple of days, Sam. Uh, He did... uh both uh, Sports Day and AFL 360 on um, Monday. And he's talking about leadership sort of filtering down. He even talked about a guy like Dylan Moore being a leader and that uh, the game he played on the weekend was an indication of his leadership and some of the stuff he did in the forward line was what they expect of their emerging leader. So maybe Sam has... uh, Maybe Sam is sort of trying to change the thinking a bit with leadership groups and and making an assumption almost and working as though every player who is out there is a, is is a leader of some sort. So maybe they're waiting for our Will Day to come back so they can announce him as vice captain. Well, that could be the case as well. We'll get to we'll get to <laughs> Will a bit. I was half joking, but that would be great. Well, he, he well, he's everyone's next. Well, he's probably the two. He's probably not the next captain, but the one after. So uh, maybe they're uh, waiting until he's back this week to make an announcement. But if there's any journalists listening, we're going to Hawthorne training tomorrow. Uh, there's a question to ask the coach. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is is media. He's been fairly expansive. They've, been, they've put him out there. Um, they're very keen to get him out after the win. Um, and he, he did a series of interviews over the course of this, this season. I think that'll settle down now. I'm doing a piece on him for the record in round five, but I'm actually not going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to others about him. I think I don't think it's a lot more to be honest to do is to talk to Sam about. He's been uh, he's he's discussed pretty much everything in a series of interviews over the summer. But what I did like, and I didn't know this until someone brought it to my attention not long before he came on the spaces tonight, was a really good piece on the Hawthorne website where he ran through. Some tactics, on-ground tactics. He, uh, I think it's something that's fairly common. I imagine other clubs do it as well. Certainly NFL teams do it, and I imagine a lot of the soccer teams do it as well, is that uh, he ran through a piece of play involving Josh Ward and his running capacity, and that's going to be a regular series. So I would imagine that's something we can look forward to every week is Sam uh, breaking down an important piece of play for Hawthorne, which as a supporter, um, Simon, you'd be looking forward to. Oh, absolutely. I, I kind of... I kind of like that. Is this the this is a members only thing, yes. right? Yes, yeah. Only. I, I kind of like that. Um, that first and foremost, it encourages people to sign up, and second and second most, it gives you like some extra value for having done so beyond like a scarf, um, and obviously that um, entry to the games. But I, I quite like that they've done that, um, and I can only encourage them and hope that they do more. Um, because it was, it was. I haven't, I haven't got around to actually working yet. Um, but it does sound like this sort of thing. They, they started to do that a bit more last year. Um, they would put up sort of um, like behind the goals vision, vision that wasn't on the broadcast, to to really show um, how 
the goal of the day came about. And so on the broadcast, you see the ball moving forward and you see the guy finish it off. And then they would show you some extra footage that you didn't otherwise see of that player running from half back and just busting a gut to get there. And um, I love that they've done that. They seem to be doing that um, a bit more. Um, if they get Mitch involved, that's even better. Uh, Brad and Darren, this is again something you're both uh, knowledgeable about. Would you say that Hawthorne, that they, they promised that they'd, try, they'd become a more open uh, football club this year. Do you, do you think they're starting to, uh, they're walking the walk? Absolutely. Um, I agree with Simon that an access from Sam, even though it's only for members, is fantastic. We, as he mentioned last season, I thought his reporting and comments about the listed players playing for Box Hill was really, really good. It gave a good an insight into his thinking, you know, and he was uh, brutally uh, honest as well, which I think is important. I think what he said he was going to do when he became senior coach, he's starting to do. We've seen that an injury list, which we'll touch on, has been uh, correct, which is something we weren't uh, used to in the Clark OR days. Uh, so, yeah, uh, access within clubs now is important. They need to think of a point of difference. You know, all of them are on social. Brad, on... You sound like you're uh, you sound like you're under uh, talking from a swimming pool somewhere. Daz, what? Um, maybe try and change where you're standing or no move worries. off Wi-Fi. Daz, what did you? Uh, what do you think of what you're seeing out of the club? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really positive, and I watched Sammy on three sixty last night, and I thought he was he he was really again honest and just humble and um just kind of gave a, a, a really he was he was i think he enjoyed the win and he he spoke about having that monkey off his back and um i think chris fagan emailed him and um just loved that little insight about uh chris fagan texted him just to say it's good to have the monkey off your back and just loved those those little you know the, those moments where you kind of peel back the curtain um, and I think we'll see more of that from the club in the future. Yeah, I think they uh, they did a very, really good job on, on that uh, on that area so far. Andrew, you got any any thoughts? I wonder if this is actually purely a Sam Mitchell driven thing. One of the you know Mora mentioned that it started um, coming through our media team last year. The one I remember is Mitch sitting down with Warps and going through his play-by-play and talking about what he could have done differently. And, like, I remember watching that and going, like, this is incredible. This is incredible vision. Um, So it wouldn't surprise me if this is a product of Sammy going, you know, we want to highlight some of the good things and some of the stuff we're doing behind the scenes. But... Certainly as a fan, getting some access to um, some of the other camera angles, just letting your mind drift to how much time they put into prepping these videos together and then in that theatre with the big screen, how they'd be taking it, taking players through it. Your mind seems to wonder and, yeah, it's just great to, to get that level of insight. We've got a couple of questions on Twitter. I'll get to the first one now, and the second one uh, sort of more relates to the uh, quick look ahead at next week. Uh, feel free to jump in whoever wants to answer this question. It's from Stephen Camilleri on Twitter. Hypothetical talking point. GF lines up on Cyril in an intra-club game. Who would you put your money on to take the chocolates? 
geez, it would be one hell of a contest. So he's certainly right there. Uh, boys, talk us through that matchup. How would it, how would it shake up? Uh, Cyril would take him every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Um, it's no contest and, for me. And, and, that, and that's and that's no disrespect to CJ in the slightest, but. I mean, we're talking about one of the, in in my opinion, one of the greatest small forwards that's played for our football club, um, compared to a a young guy on the rise, but um, that's only had one good season of football. Um, Cyril was a freak, and he could compete in the air, compete on the deck, and just had cat like reflexes. Pretty yeah. um, smart. Yeah, just just would be insane, too smart. Yeah, insane footballer. So um, Cyril every single time for me. That was my gut reaction as well. Um, I didn't want to go out and say it because I thought it might be a bit like disrespectful to CJ, but um, I'm glad Danny went with it because I completely agree. I don't think Cyril ever lost a one-on-one contest. I cannot remember him losing a one-on-one con- contest across his career. I'm sure it happened, but I have no memory of it. So if 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 you can remember Cyril losing a one-on-one Nick contest. Smith. Was, wasn't Nick Smith like Cyril Kryptonite? Really? Oof. Yeah, he was the only he's the only one that I reckon ever got his measure. Um, I mean, yeah. there's that famous Jeddah chase, which I think Cyril was impeded as well. So I don't think that was a fair fair fight. But um, I'll have to go back and watch the Nick Smith contest now. Yeah, Nick Smith was his school, but he's mate from school from Scotch College. I think he's the only one who could get in his head and could reasonably shut him down. But even then, I think Cyril ended up having a couple of breakout games against him. So uh, eventually. A bit like um, Sam Mitchell with Kane Corns. I mean, for a while, Corns would always have the better of uh, always have the better of Mitch, but Mitch sort of found a way to work through that and a couple of the more difficult tags he had. I think Cyril, towards the end, started to break even with uh, with Nick Smith, who was a seriously good footballer. Crowley also got in Mitchell's head famously, I think, in that grand final. So let's stop talking about Crowley now and move on. It's, brilliant. it's just <laughs> brilliant to think that it might not be the last Sam Mitchell Kane Corns battle that we ever see. That's great. Uh, Sad Nam, you got a question for us? Connecting, connecting. Uh, we'll just let that see what he gets. Like he's requested. Are you there, Sad Nam? I think we might have a bot in the system here, Ash. A bot. Oh, God, you'll better recognise the bots in there. All right, well, thanks very much for that. Um, injury list is out. Um, this week it was Andrew Lambert had the honours, and uh, basically it was a, it was a, the voiceover would say something, and then he'd just repeat it to the camera. So, But the information was uh, information was good. So um, Max Lynch unavailable. Jarman MP one week, so he'll play. I suspect you'll play in that uh, ill-timed VFL practice game against Carlton in a week's time that'll take place. Actually, it'll be round two of the VFL that's taking place out of Box Hill, the same time as the seniors are playing Carlton, the MCG. Connor Downey, two weeks away, so that might get him for the uh, Box Hill-Sandringham game. That's going to be a curtain raiser to Hawthorne St Kilda in round four. Lockie Bramble, TBC. I, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not that optimistic we'll see Bramble anytime soon, but uh, the old TBC... Um, might mean we might not see him till sort of the rounds seven, eight around then. Uh, Lynch has said concussion, but the big news is that Will Day is not on the list. Yeah, and I, I just I, th- I think for someone that's played 
less than 20 games to just just see the Hawks supporters' response to that on social media today just shows how the, the effect that he has not only on the team but fans as well. Um, so just took me by surprise and I'm, I just can't wait to see him out there. And also excited to see Connor Downey this year. I think he's had a shocking run of, of injuries and we all kind of forget how exciting he was when he was drafted to the club. So um, I think, you know, MP as well coming back, it's just a really, really, really um, sort of healthy position to be in at this point of the year. Yeah, I I, I agree with you, Daz. Uh, Day's an interesting one. He only, I think he played two and a half, three quarters. Hasn't played a senior game since June last year. So be interesting to see whether they risk him, you know, take him to Port Adelaide, hostile environment. You know, do they give him Ash one more, you know, does he play a full game for Box Hill on the weekend and then plays Carlton round three? But I guess that's a Marvel game. Is it, or is it at the J? No, it's at the J. Is it Marvel or the J round three? I don't know if Marvel... It is round, round three. Baronos, you're, just, you're coming across... You know, can't work out what the story is, but I hear what you say. Um, we'll talk about Box Hill quickly because uh, Day was involved. They played three quarters of halfback got through unscathed, and according to the Box Hill website, we'll press for a senior return in the coming weeks. Uh, I had a very prominent identity send me a text on Sunday evening saying, won't be seen again at Box Hill this year. So I think a bit like CJ, just need to get through three three quarters of a VFL practice match. Same thing for Day. Uh, you say it's hostile territory over at football, uh, Adelaide Oval, he's an Adelaide boy, so I think it's going home to play, and I think that Will Day absolutely is 100% certain of playing this week for Hawthorne. I think uh, he, he'll want to play in Adelaide. They'll want him to play in Adelaide, and uh, that will happen, and that will lead to some, uh, as we'll get through shortly, some uh, some interesting thoughts and selection. Uh, Dan Howe was the best of the Hawthorne players, played really well uh, for Box Hill on Sunday. Um, uh, Kaziski kicked, of the Hawthorne players, Kaziski uh, kicked three. Howe, Jekka kicked two goals in what was a fairly comfortable 37-point win to Box Hill. There were eight or nine of the uh, Hawthorne players, um, listed players, played in that game. It's just that those who weren't playing for either team were at the MCG and part of the circle. Callow put his uh, played, uh, put his hand up to shoulder the bark of the stoppage work. Um, they didn't have a lot of ruckman going around. Ned Long and Jack Saunders played a bit of on-ball. Um, Shavis Mitchell played across half-forward, uh, as did Jai Sarong. And Hardigan played at fullback. So that sort of more or less uh, would tell you what happened at Box Hill on um, on uh, Sunday. They opened their season at 12 o'clock on Sunday at the Holden Centre, or whatever it's called now, against Collingwood. It's actually the VFL, it's actually the Channel 7 game this week, 12 o'clock Sunday. So uh, good thing to sit around on Sunday or even try and get to the game if you can. Uh, viewers note, or PSA, it's uh, on 7, mate. I think Channel 7 proper will be showing the VFL, the AFLW uh, semi-final. But if you're looking for Box Hill game, it'll be on 7, mate, according to Channel 7 publicity. So now let's look ahead to, with a few, uh, about, uh, what's it, we've got about uh, 12 minutes to go. Let's have our too early preview of uh, of uh, Saturday night. Um, it's a bit early in the week to having an in-depth preview. When we get back to Thursday night spaces, I think we'll be in a much better place. Uh, I believe that's a team most of the time, uh, or or a squad to look at as well. So it's a too early port preview. Um, uh, what do you think? 
We'll start with you, uh, Danny. What are your early thoughts about what we're going to see on uh, on Saturday night at Adelaide Oval? Yeah, um, I think if you had asked me two weeks ago, uh, I thought we are in line for our usual um, seven to eight goal to nil first quarter and an absolute touch-up um, from Port. Um, but the boys, I think, will take a lot of confidence out of the win they had against North. Um, they've chalked that one off, so there's no pressure there about getting Sam Mitchell's first win. And Port are the walking wounded. So um, if the outs and suspected outs are who who they think they will be, based on the injury report on a Tuesday, um, we're a genuine sniff. It it might be a uh, it might be a coin coin toss kind of a match. I think um, there's some really important Port players that are a test or may or may not be available. Um, if guys like Robbie Gray uh, don't play, um, he always seems to carve us up. So does Charlie Dixon. He's out. Um, I think I think we're a, I think we're a genuine chance. I, I didn't think I'd be this positive coming into round two, but um, I can see us pinching one. I won't tip us, but I can see us pinching one. Uh, Stalking Hawk, good evening. You're a well-known Hawthorne fan on social media. Good to have you with us. Uh, you got a question? Yeah, um, I've got a coming into the season pretty optimistic. Seeing um, the Hawks pick up um, Lynch in the ruck, um, and now seeing him go out and um, seeing Kello Ruck um, in the VFL and Nash Ruck um, in the senior side, it seems to be a real trend um, or game plan of Mitchell to have that uh, that mobile, um, bigger-bodied, bullocking on baller type in the Ruck role. I reckon we're going to see that continue. What are your thoughts? Well, I think he's um, I think he's got a. Um... He loves that he was the one responsible for moving Nash to the midfield last year, and as I said, as a as a true follower. And I, and my thinking about the week, they they're going to need some serious bulk and strength for the midfield. I think a guy like Nash will play a really important role in this game because you've got a going up against a Port Adelaide midfield. It's got those three big strong. It's got Boke, who usually always plays well against Hawthorne. Pal Pepper, who loves playing against Hawthorne for whatever reason, and Ollie Wines, the Brownlow medals, they're all pretty good. So Port have got a few out, as Danny said, but they're, they're, they're strong midfielders, uh, by and large, are going to be there. So I think a guy like Nash in this sort of game becomes a real weapon because he has a d- different shape and form to the midfield. Whether the Hawks are going to play two... I mean, McAvoy, you think, would come back. So they're going to have two genuine ruckmen in there, plus Nash playing more of that sort of tall ruck rover sort of role. But, it, but, yeah, I think it's an interesting thing for Sam. He's clearly had a plan B. I mean, the, we know coaches go through plan A, B, C and D, and the plan was if one of the rucks go down, what do we do? And um, Nash played that role really, really well. That's probably the first time for me, and I've been very uh, open all pre-season and since the end of last season thinking that um, McAvoy will play the whole year as a key forward. It's probably the first time after we saw what happened on the weekend and all of you guys have talked about the fact that we played kids, we weren't scared to not play Hardigan, Phillips is an emergency. It's probably the first time I've thought, it's almost a shame that McAvoy's captain because, I I mean, it, it helps that Lynch is out. It makes that a pretty straightforward swap. But in four, five, six weeks' time, would we rather have the Lynch-Reeves combo looking into the future? So, and then Nash, you know, did did the job as 
you know, stalking hockey mentioned. So I think it's quite a conundrum at the moment and it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, Simon, we'll get your, your great uh, opposition analyst piece a bit later in the week. What are your couple of early thoughts as you start to think about uh, Port? Yeah, well, Danny touched on it. I think this game may well be decided on Thursday night um, because Port Adelaide has a list as long as your arm at the moment coming out of that game. They were They were really, really sore. Um, against Brisbane. Charlie Dixon's listed as two, three weeks away, so we can assume safely that he's not playing. Look, Dersma got subbed out. It looked for all money like he might have a broken collarbone or something like that. It's more like a sprained shoulder. So with with players like that, you'd expect them to play, but it's kind of almost in a perverse way better. Um, not for him. I, I, if I was Port Adelaide, I wouldn't play him. Um, because that's just risky. I mean, the guy missed 14 weeks last year with an injury. You don't want him to aggravate an injury by putting him in underdone. Um, it's a bit trite for me to say that because he's playing against Hawthorne this week. Um, but look, we can all um, send our vibes towards Port Adelaide to, to just get their players right and make them, um, if they're a bit sore, don't play them. Um, because, because as Danny said, Dursma, uh, Robbie Gray, Trent McKenzie's another one. Um, he, I mean, <laughs> I basically retired him um, on Saturday night because I thought he'd done his knee. And all of a sudden, um, he's, he's might play against us. It sort of doesn't make sense. Um, so I, I would presume that they are just talking it up a little bit. Trent McKenzie won't play, which leaves their back line a little bit thin. And Lear, um, Lear as well has got syndesmosis. Yeah, so he's out. Um, he, he won't play. He's definitely he's a play. huge out. Well, he's their best defender. It's listed as five six, but I saw the report was about eight or ten. So I don't really know what to believe anymore. Um, they're also missing Tom Clurie from the back line. So it, it's just it's one of those ones where if we if we were ever going to beat them, it's this week. We might still not. Um, as you say, their midfield is just about as good. The, the top line strong midfielders are just about as good as they come. Um, but from a forward line missing Dixon, Fantasia, and potentially Gray, um, we would like to back our back six to potentially keep them down a bit. Um, I don't know. If we if we'd lost to North Melbourne, I wouldn't have said we were a chance. So maybe I'm just riding high on a false hope that on a false optimism, having beaten last year's Wooden Spooners, and we're now one and zero in the top four. But um, I don't know. I, I think. That if we were ever going to beat him, it's this week. Fingers crossed Finlayson doesn't have his only good game of the year like he always does against us because he's going to be <laughs> their number one forward. Bradley, Someone will pop up. Georgiades will kick seven. You watch. Yeah. <laughs> before, before the end of the season, Brad's going to pick a team of players who have their one game. Okay. Oh. okay. You're very good at identifying the Brad. You are on notice at some stage. I'm going to make you pick a team Absolutely. of players who have their one out. It's, it's a not, great game. It's not going to be hard to do, I can tell you now. Um. Well, they have three ins for Hawthorne. There'll be uh, Bruce McAvoy and Day. So three really handy ins. There's going to be some unlucky omissions. We'll get to that later in the week, obviously, and you'll have a crack at that, Brad, with your selection dissection, which will probably go up on Thursday morning. Um, let's go around the panel quickly for uh, a tip and a margin. And uh, start with you, Weesey. You're going to be there. You'll be uh, giving us a full report on what it's like to go to a Port Adelaide game. By the way, it's also it's their Russell Ebert tribute match, so they will be absolutely juiced to the gills for this one. A wonderful, one of the greats of, of the game, an absolute icon of that football club. 
they will be absolutely desperate to uh, to do the right thing by the Ebert family, who are so beloved uh, in in at by Port Adelaide to win the game. So that's what Hawthorne's got um, ahead of it on Saturday night. And uh, my guy Chad Wingard will they give him the rounds of the kitchen sink as well. So Chad will want to get a couple of early touches as well, I would think. But anyway, we see uh, tip and margin. Yeah, as much as I'm buoyed by everyone thinking we're this massive chance now with all of the injuries and because we won round one, and as much as I'd love to share that and tip us uh, going there, which will be unbelievable, uh, I think we'll get done by six, seven, eight goals. I think they're such uh, more physically uh, mature and dominant team, I think we could potentially get bullied um, and I think we'll get played off the park, but looking forward to the experience regardless of the result. Daz? Yeah, uh, I'm not as bullish as everyone else. I think Port are are a good team at home. Um, Definitely don't think it's going to be a, a thrashing, but probably a a, a pretty workmanlike, you know, twenty-six point win from the from the from the port. Brad, uh, no, I think I think we'll stick with them for I reckon at least three quarters. I think I reckon we'll probably only lose by you know fifteen to twenty points. I think the bookies have port a four to five goal favorite, but I reckon we can match them. I think our forward line strong enough with their back, you know, with their with with their outs, but unfortunately I think their midfield is going to be too strong and that's going to be the difference in the game. We need to somehow stop Wines, whether it's Nash. If Finn McGuinness gets another game, he had a few run with roles in the VFL last year, because one of Finn McGuinness, Warpool or Shields are going to lose their spot for Will Day. So one of those three will go out. I'm not sure who it's going to be. I think Shields plays because they're going to need his experience. So uh, I think, unfortunately, Finn's going to miss out this week. But I would select him and play him on wines. Simon, tip and margin. I would love to echo Brad's sentiments. I have no idea what they are, but I'd love to echo them. Um, I've actually, I've done the road trip down to Adelaide Oval. I saw us in that day where Charlie Dixon took three or four contested marks in the first quarter and we didn't kick a goal in the first half. Um, That was a great... I have this curse for when I travel to the Hawks games. It's just, you know, we we kick our lowest score in our history in the first half or something like that. Um, so I'm going to stay clear of this one. I reckon, look, it, it's I, I, I give us a chance to be close. I give you Port Adelaide by eight. And Danny, you're you put balls in line here, Danny. You're confident, so are you going to tip us? You going to tip us? <laughs> nah, uh, Port by 22 points. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I didn't say if everything goes right, we're a sniff. And then Daz is like, I'm not as bullish as everybody who thinks we're going to win. I'm like, I never said that. I said <laughs> we're a sniff if everything goes right. But I think I think probably how it ends up is uh, is they just proved to be, a, like like a few guys mentioned, a bit, bit too mature across the ground, um, far more advanced. And even with uh, the, the outs that they've got, more depth than than what we can handle. But at the same time, it wouldn't completely shock me if we uh, if we surprise someone. I've got Port by 10 points. I think Hawthorne will be uh, competitive for chunks of the game. They'll be one of that midfield. 
just causing a little too much grief and a few too many centre clearances for the Hawks to deal with. But uh, looking forward to the game. A hell of a lot more than I was uh, 72 hours ago. I think it's going to be a beauty. So, uh, and looking forward to Sean Bergon being commentary for Channel 7. So that will make the commentary even more interesting. He now, of course, works for Port, knows Hawthorne intimately and often. He did a really good job in his commentary debut last week as well. So although the point was raised, he's a paid employee of Port Adelaide commentating on Port Adelaide games. Is that ethical? That might be a conversation, uh, Brad and Darren, for another time. Um, Hawthorne has announced that uh, small forward Zoe Barbakos is the second player to sign for the AFLW team. Nice little highlights package. She's been playing footy for two years, and she's gone from playing in the VAFA to uh, signing with the Hawks in, in, in barely two seasons. She's a, 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 a crafty forward who moves well, so... Uh, we welcome her to Hawthorne. And that's all going to happen really, really quickly now with the uh, start of that season at the end of August. There's going to be all sorts of... They're talking about the uh, side and trade period being in, sort of within three or four weeks. So Hawthorne's AFLW team is going to take shape very quickly and we will be across it. Last bit of news from us is that uh, we're going to have... We've got a copy of the Peter Hudson book, Dan Eddy, who was on the space a few weeks ago. We'll have a copy of that book to give away. And uh, so stick, stay close and check Hawks Insiders regularly to find out how you can win uh, an autographed copy of uh, of that book. So uh, keep tuned for that one. That is it. It's been a packed show. You guys doubted me when I said we could do it. And now when you saw the rundown, you thought we hit 11 o'clock. But uh, we knocked it over in an hour and two minutes. So yay me. Um Thank you, everyone, for your support of Hawks Insiders. $5 a month, $50 a year for the very best Hawthorne content. We'll be doing Tuesday night spaces for another three weeks. Then we'll move back to Thursdays once the Thursday night footy is over and done. And um, that's my wife just giving me some instructions in the background about how, how to do this thing. But uh, thanks, Mandy. Go back to your workout. Um, so uh, that's been it. Um, thank you, for everyone, for your support. We've got a piece I've done. We'll go up tomorrow. We've got selection dissection and opposition analysis to come and uh, some sort of preview as well. We see if I missed anything. No, I think you've covered it. I think everyone will continue having a good week, uh, basking in the weekend's glory. So hope everyone enjoys the rest of the week and looking forward to bringing you more content ahead of round two. And, of course, there's Talking Hawks and Hawks talk podcast guys and uh, once you've finished listening to us listen to them and give them a go as well for even more great Hawthorne content and there's pretty good stuff on Hawthorne official website we should give the team there a shout out they're doing some really good work as well taking us inside the four walls of the footy club so we're all happy Hawkers at the moment thanks for listening everyone uh, don't forget this part this will be available as a podcast tomorrow if you miss some or all of it tell your friends rate and review on Apple Podcasts as well and Spotify give us a ranking and take us up those rankings even more. Maybe we'll knock off the Howie games or uh, something like that before too long. You never know. Um, We look forward to talking to you again in the meantime. Our post-game podcast with the rankings probably sometime on Sunday will drop. And again, back in the spaces on Tuesday. Thanks, everyone, and have a great uh, rest of the week. And we look forward to the game Saturday night. Good night, Hawks.